Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second annual Knees Up by the Brown Live Awards. Woo! Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Chris Skoll, and joining me this evening, please welcome to the stage, who sit, is actually here already. Uh, but we'll pretend I haven't been here. The man who on the 25th of October 2014 said, I can't see us ever losing. James Longman. I couldn't. There's a guy here actually uh, at the back, Sean Jackson, who bought a half-season ticket. And his was the second half. <laughs> <laughs> He's at the back in the black T-shirt. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> I think he might... Did you see us win? No. <laughs> One game. <laughs> right, we've got two very special guests this evening, and how about we have the first one of those guests out right now. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage a man who made 28 appearances between 2002 and 2005. He's the man Glenn Roder looks to in a time of crisis. <laughs> welcome to the stage, Rufus Brevitt! <laughs> Rufus. Yeah, go for it. You've still got the dreads. Yeah, they've, um, I've tied them back today, but yes, I've uh, still got the dreads. You know? I mean, we were, there was a lot of speculation. There was a lot of debate. <laughs> I'm glad to see you've cleared that up with your <laughs> presence. They're still here. Um, obviously, this is, um, this is the first kind of gathering, large gathering of West Ham fans since Sam Allardyce has been sacked. Um, quick show of hands, who in here thinks that was the right idea? Not sacks, his contract wasn't renewed. Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry. He, uh, he, he's gone. He, Whatever way you look at it. He also agreed that it shouldn't be renewed. That's yeah. not true, is it? Yeah. At no stage you go, I'm glad this is happening. <laughs> um, Rufus, what is your perspective? Do you think that was the right thing to do? Do you think West Ham might regret this decision? Um, I mean, I've, I've not seen much of West Ham, so I understand that the football weren't the best and, and things like that. And, you know, West Ham are and known for playing good football, good attacking football. Um, but only time will tell whether it's the, it's the right decision. And whoever comes in, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Very diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> We're still on the record. Um, right, let's bring out our second guest now. Uh, he became a cult hero in October, October 2004, saving a Frank Lampard penalty at Stamford Bridge. He went on to Woo! cement his reputation with his match day programme column and activities in the nightclubs of Essex. <laughs> Please welcome a man with five years' service to his name for West Ham, Jimmy Walker. It's a bit higher than I was opening the chair. Um, so first question, Jimmy. Obviously, it was a very difficult time when you signed for West Ham. They just lost the playoff final to Preston. Fortunately, Teddy Sheringham had signed around the same time. So, big question. What was the state of the Essex nightclub scene around this time? No, I didn't know I was professional, honestly. No, it was, it was, a, it was a fantastic time, I must admit. You know, I think when I first went down, it was a couple of weeks all serious, wanting to get in the team. I mean, it was all serious anyway, wanting to get in the team. But, you know, then Teddy had signed, I think, just as we got back from pre-season. And he said, right, team bonding night. So, it was a Thursday night. I'm thinking, what can go wrong? Went to 195, that was it. Marriage was over everything. <laughs> it still didn't take me to 195. 
Yeah, you, you was banned. You could have gone. <laughs> you would have been. You would have oh, no, tore it up. I, I think it's still going 195, so maybe I, tonight. I've heard, I've heard. <laughs> Thursday night. <laughs> the cab is booked, actually, so as soon as this is done. Um, cool. Should we, should we crack off with a couple of awards to begin with? Yes. Okay. Yep. Do you want to reveal best signing this year? So, voted for by the Come Readers, uh, best signing. Uh, in at third, Cuyato, 16%. Second, the Afro Sacro, 35%. And a staggering 45% of you voted for Aaron Cresswell. Aaron Cresswell. A worthy winner. Yeah. Um, in terms of best signings, Rufus, when you signed for West Ham, you signed alongside Les Ferdinand and Lee Bowyer. But, I mean, there were, there were some good players that brought, bring in and support what was already a really good team, right? Yeah, it was a, it was a great team. As I said to you earlier, the, um, the team that got relegated is probably the best team on paper that, that has ever got relegated from the Premier League. The team was a joke, and we ended up going down. So, no, it was a very disappointing time. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a bit later on. Shall we do worst signing now? Yes. Getting into the negative awards already. Yeah. Uh, in at third was uh, surprising, I think, seven percent. Anna Valencia. Uh, in at second with nine percent was Donnell Henry, uh, and first with sixty-three percent was Zarate. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> a bad egg, as uh, it's called by Joe Barton. Uh, Worst signings, gents. Any for you that stick out? I mean, Tariko, I imagine, was, was there around. Uh, Lionel Scaloni for me. Scaloni. <laughs> I can't. I'm sick in my mouth when I say his name, bless him. Uh, I've got, I've, I, uh, I know Gary Breen didn't have the best of times. I've got good friends with Gary. I actually come down in his car, so he said, right, don't say it's mine. But <laughs> the tyres will be good. Um, in, let's talk about uh, Scaloni. In that FA Cup final, what happened? Do we have to? Okay, yes. Still, honestly. Still fresh in my mind, it hurts still now. I mean, it was one of them. Listen, he was a great lad as well, Lionel, and he was, he was a good player, did a good job for us, but just let the ball go out or kick it somewhere like Rosehead or something. It was, it was one of those, and look back, and, and the boy was devastated like we all was, and you know, yeah. you, you, you learn from that, but then obviously it was a bit too late. Gerard had his Lazarus moment and yeah. come up from on a halfway line from the dead and put it in the bottom corner, but I mean, I. I think I have said a few times that I was Pards' fault because if he'd have played me, that was my game, tipping it round. So I blame Pards. <laughs> I saved that. I saved that. You've seen the DVD. I've seen that. Have you not got so, it? Yeah. I thought you should say that. <laughs> this is a fight we were just talking in there a second ago. So what was the story about the bus and your DVD? <laughs> no, nah, I mean, as, as I started, like, I mean, uh, came in and there was Stevie Bywater and me vying for the first team shirt at the time and and Pards had said he's going to give Bywater the go start the season. I thought, well, I'm not having that right. So I had a good pre-season, I thought, and I thought I might just get the nod, but I didn't for a few weeks. And I was had to wait till uh, a League Cup game later on. But during that time we played, <laughs> I happened to have my computer there and out slipped the Greatest Saves DVD. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I can't put that on. I can't put that on. Don't put that on. Stop. No, no, don't put it on. Don't. Anyway, yeah, like, great. Put it on. That's what you're missing, Pards. Any chance? <laughs> Still didn't work. To be fair, there were some saves on there, mate. It was a save. Didn't catch many, though, did I? It was more pain. So who made the really? greatest saves DVD? You made it yourself. No, I, I, you I'm, not, I'm not that vain. You made I'm it not yourself. that vain. No, it was... Uh, I had a testimonial at Walsall just before I left. That was my testimonial year, so I did uh, a DVD and, and a book, but I don't like to mention because he'll abuse me for it. <laughs> but I did a book and a DVD. It was all to do with a testimonial. just kept around the Walsall area, but... It went really well. It was good, actually. And yeah. I am, I'm definitely going to do another book. He's got about four chapters. <laughs> uh, Rufus, Rufus, would you be worried if Jimmy were to publish another book? 
I'd be very worried, to be fair, because I don't, I don't know what he's going to say. Just full of lies, just full of lies. Jimmy, do you have a ghostwriter, or do you do it yourself? Um, well, I'm a little illiterate, uh, but I'll say, uh, it's my words, but put in a better context so you can understand it sort of thing. <laughs> less sweary. Uh, yes, a lot less sweary, yeah, no, no. It, it'd be good, there's some good stories in it. I mean, last time I wrote it as well, I was still playing, and I needed to, obviously, I, came, I was going to West Ham, so I needed a good move. And I was married at the time, so I had to keep a few things under wraps. <laughs> so is it, the book was about that big. <laughs> but I think now, that since I've had West Ham and another 10 years on it, it's about that big now. So <laughs> it'd be a good read. Oh, brilliant. Um, OK, let's go back to January 2003, Rufus, when you signed for West Ham. Obviously, this was a great team who were really in trouble. So when you go in there, the rumours were that there was a kind of the French lads and there was a big division in the squad. Is that what you were faced with when you, when you would turn up for training? A little bit. I mean, I spoke to Travis Sinclair before I signed and, um, you know, I looked at the team, looked at the, the players and he said, there's no way we'll go down. No way. And when you look at, as I say, on paper, you think there's absolutely no way. And, you know, Glenn Rhoda was there. I think he didn't um, get the respect he deserved from certain players. And um, it was a little... Oh, sorry? Oh, no, it was a little bit disappointing. Um, yeah, very disappointing. How, who in particular... I mean, Di Canio was rumoured, right? Di Canio, that's kind of in the public domain. Yeah, Di Canio just did what he wanted, to be fair. Um, if he got injured, he'd just fly off to Italy. No one would know where he was. Um, you know, and, and I'm thinking, what is all this about? And it, yeah. it, it happened, and he just, he just did it, and, you know, it was just the norm for Di Canio. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it was just not, not the dumb thing, really, if you're in a professional football club. Yeah. No, and what's the moment where you all thought, we're doomed? Um, was it because there was hope at the end of that season, wasn't there? No, there was. I mean, we went to, we went to Birmingham. Was it Birmingham, last game of the season? Yeah. Um, and even then, I, th I thought that we'd still do it. I thought we'd still do it. But um, Middlesbrough, was it Middlesbrough? The, the, other, the other team, Middlesbrough, were they? Um, Bolton, was it? Yeah, Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough, yeah. Bolton. I think we, we, we uh, yeah, Allardyce, yeah. And, and, Nolan, and Nolan, don't forget Nolan. Um, <laughs> and, uh, don't start you know, booing yet. Yeah. And, yeah, we, we knew that they'd, they'd scored and, and on the pitch. I think that's when we knew, really, um, on the pitch at Birmingham. Do you, know, do you know what I have a good memory of now uh, is Steve Bruce enjoying us going down. Yeah, yeah, I know. Layers, dickhead. See <laughs> <laughs> so you in the championship. The thing is, he, although Hull have gone down, Steve Bruce's nose has remained in the premiership. <laughs> His Play-Doh face. His face is like made of Play-Doh. <laughs> bit obsessed with it. Um, Jimmy, like one, one thing that's been in the press a lot with, with Big Sam getting sacked is that there's a West Ham way. We've got a certain way of playing football. There's been a lot of this on, on Twitter. Have you, have you ever heard a West Ham manager in your course of your time at the club mention the West Ham way? Was it ever mentioned in the dressing room or anything? Um, it, it's probably not as mentioned in the dressing room as well. I mean, when you're playing, you, you, the way is you want to win. <laughs> it's a winning game, you know what I mean? Joking aside, it's, that's, that's the way you need to play football when you have to win the game. Then if you can put together you know, the nice players or well, the beautiful football with it, fantastic. But you only get that sort of beautiful football in the West Ham way that you know people remembers from back in the day sort of thing when you're winning and you've got confidence when you're losing a few games it's difficult so I think my time in there obviously we just needed to get up into the Prem which we did fortunately through the back door and then we needed to establish yourself in, in the Prem so it wasn't so much I mean we did play some great stuff at times but that was when the confidence was up 
and everything was fine. It wasn't like pods had sat down and, and uh, Curbs had said, right, we've got to play this way, this is the way we're playing, through the thirds, etc. And, and beautiful football. It was, we were set out to win the game and, and go from there, sort of thing. And like I say, when, you, when you're confident, that, that just flows anyway, because, you know, club this size of, of West Ham, you know, you're going to get good players. So. And Pardew is interesting, because Pardew is always a man who seems to like a slogan. Because like, in terms of, like, he had his Bobby Moore T-shirts and he had um, uh, the sign put up. But didn't he put that sign up in the dressing room? It says about, about winning. You know, was he a man who kind of... Winning was he is a our guy way. who kind of had... Winning is what that, we're here for. That's yeah. Is is that, was that his mentality as manager, like, using psychology and that kind of... That yeah, no, he's great at that. Really good at that pause, to be fair. No, like I've got, I mean, I've got only good things to say about him because, you know, he took me to there and... He gave me a break and that, so I've got great fam- great memories of Pards. But he was he was mad on that. Yeah, he loved all the psychology stuff and and that. And he, uh, I think, when we were, the playoff final was a big big thing. He made everyone write a placard out of like, a little couple of phrases and pinned it on a notice board and made everyone read it. You know, lead up to the game and all that. Just yeah. little things to psych each other up and what you're doing it for and if it's for your kids or whatever. Or doing it for the money or you're doing it for the Essex Birds. So. Don't know, who's, don't know who's that were. <laughs> Doing it for 195. What, don't know who's that were. And what's it, like, I'm interested about Padre. Is, is he like a man manager? Is he like an arm around the shoulder kind of manager? Like, is he... Or is it, I mean, it, it was a difficult one because when I, when I came there, I expected a lot more from him. But I met him just after the Crystal Palace defeat. So, I mean, that, that season, I didn't know him. Obviously, he had a tough time, I think. He was there with him. And I think, that, obviously, losing that had really knocked the stuffing out of him. I met him... Uh, a couple of days later, and I'm thinking, who is this here? He was proper dour-like. And uh, I'm thinking to the point, I don't know if I want to quite sign for him here, but then obviously I went for a tour around the ground and saw the ground. Having played there, you know, there was no hesitation in signing. But I think that took a lot out of him, to be honest, and he took a lot of time to recover. And during that season, he sort of grew into it a little bit more. I think, I mean, a well-known fact, um, we was on the... We were sort of mid-table with about 20 games to go. I had not played as much as I'd like to, to be honest, even, uh, um, even though I put the DVD on. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was, I think it was 18, 19 games to go or something, sort of mid-table. The playoffs are looking the distant dream. And I think on the bus, and I said to a few of the lads I did interview yesterday last night, uh, a few of the lads uh, on the bus was like the chairman, the chief exec, the, the secretaries. I think they had these release papers right in front of me. I think even the Grim Reaper was sat behind him at one point with his scythe there. And we was going to Wigan away, and I think it was well documented, or the lads knew anyway, that we lost the game, he, he was gone sort of thing. But uh, he just pulled us in the change room, and he's gone, yeah, I need you today. You know I do, I went, oh, fucking now you need me, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Can you wait that long? <laughs> but he, he stuck us in that day, and, and uh, you know, things, I had a bit of luck at the, look, Did look you on have the a day. Of course I had a worldie. <laughs> <laughs> now things are coming off me, me backside, and hitting a bar, and lads are clearing off the line, and that, and... It's a fantastic team effort, as, as well as a few worldies from me. And we ended up, <laughs> and we ended up winning 2-1, and, and that was it. I think we only lost one more in that, in that running. Yeah. So there, and, and sneaked in on the last day, walked for the way. Yeah. Um, should we do an award for most missed? Yes, yes. Uh, most missed uh, in at three was uh, Diame. Who has was voted for that? He's going to miss the Premiership. Um, 17% was Ravel Morrison. Um, and... Yeah, interesting. And at number one was Jack Collison. Jack Collison. Lovely man. Yeah, lovely man. Um, Memories of Jack Collison? Oh, fantastic, lads. Uh, I see him the other week, actually. He was was doing doing his academies as well, you know, and he he was, 
coming through, you know, of a good bunch of kids as well. And he looked the pick of the bunch, to be honest. You know, you had Tompkins and a few others around that time. And he looked like he was going to go on to be strong. And when he, he broke in the team, he looked a strong player, strong boy. Very good player and had really unfortunate with injuries. Uh, it, was, it was sad to see, actually, you know. But uh, he's, he's, gonna, he's, he's had a right go. And I've seen him he look fit, he looked he look healthy and he was in good form when I see him a couple of weeks ago. So hopefully he can get back in and, and at least get another four or five years of what we know he can do. Yeah, he's, he's been working he was, hard. So. He, was a young, he was a kid when I was there, so he was coming up, coming through. And he was always the one that everyone was talking about. And even then he, look, he looked a, 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 a bloke, he looked a man. And, you know, his injury and, uh, and all that, it's uh, devastating for him. Yeah. And who were the other youngsters during both your times there where you thought these guys are going to be something special? Well, when I first signed, I'd speak to Pards that day, he, he mentioned a couple and there was, Nose was one, I think there was only 17, and Chrissy Cohen was the other who's now uh, not in the forest. And, and he said, listen, we've got these two coming through. We've obviously talked about the team and how we're going to gel it. And he said, I'm going to bring these boys straight in and... Obviously, Nobs has gone on to prove he was, he was right as well. And Chrissy was an excellent player. This didn't quite work for him at West Ham, but he's gone on to prove he's a good I mean, player he now. He play left back or, or left midfield. You know, fantastic left foot on him. Mm. He, was, he was decent. I think he's captain for us as well, isn't he? Yeah, so he's, um, he's gone on and done really well. Yeah, there's a, I mean, the West Ham Academy, which is spoken of a lot in glowing terms, has had, I'd say, had a rough time of late. There hasn't been loads of people coming through. Do you think that's because of, you know, a change in coaching or just just think there's more you know more foreign players that's often blamed in the premiership there's more people need success quicker so they buy better players straight away i think it's difficult for for young players to actually come through into a first team because managers are under so much pressure to win games and you put a young player in then you it's a gamble because you don't know what you're going to get so you know i think that's that's massive where managers really have got to be a bit more brave and, and stick the young players in well, we've, I mean, we've obviously got Rhys Burke who's just broken through into the first team. We've got uh, Rhys Oxford that everyone says, everyone's spoken to, says the best player I've seen in a long time. So we've got, hopefully, some of those guys coming through. We hope there's a manager who will kind of nurture them and bring them through because Sam's always accused of not being a guy who nurtures talent. Well, I think it's, it's I mean, you've got the under-21 league and like it or, or not like it, it's, it doesn't quite work for me either. And it's, it's difficult, it's difficult, like Brev said, it's for the manager to bring a player through. So you've got to have stability behind the scenes, which West Ham I've got, to be fair, you know, at the academy level and all that. But it's down to these coaches to bring them through for, for the manager to be able to pick them and be, and be confident to pick them. And for, the, for me, the 21 league does not, it don't get them ready for that. It, it, it does that. And it's, it's a fake league for me. So something's got to be done with that, whatever it is, I don't know. And they spoke about another league, etc. I'm not sure about that either, but just good reserve football was, was for me. And, yeah and a good standard but it's not quite working at the minute well it's not competitive the 21 day it's not competitive it's just like a practice match where you're just strolling about all of a sudden you go into the first team where where it's thud and thud and guts and then uh, you know you're lost aren't you yeah it's, it's, we, so that was most missed um, in terms of a player who was missed in that first season of the championship Jermaine Defoe left halfway through uh, you were at the club when he had in his transfer request 24 hours after relegation were you aware of what was going on at the time? What, what were the team thinking? We when he went did that? in after the Birmingham game. We went into training and it came out that he'd handed it transfer requested. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, it wasn't me, it was my agent. So he just, he just swore that it was his agent and he had nothing to do with it, which I'm not too sure about. But <laughs> Defoe was a, a, a fantastic player, great goal scorer. I saw in training he just wanted to score goals. That's yeah. all he wanted to do. Yeah. Born goal scorer. And what is it like when you know a as a team, because it's, you know, it's quite intense playing in a team, it's a real brothership. Is it difficult when a player wants to leave? How, you know, how do you handle that? What is the, 
you know, do you think, oh, it's fine, he wants more money elsewhere, or is it a bit, is it a bit like F you? I think it's a bit F you, to be fair. I think if you're, if you're at a team that um, you're all in it together, and you've got someone in the ranks who just wants to jump ship for whatever reason, it's not good, is it? I mean, there's ways to go about it as well, isn't there? You know, you can, you can do it right. Everyone wants to better themselves, everyone wants to do whatever they want and look after their family, however way of doing it. But there's ways to do it. And if, I know, obviously, when we were in the change room or any change room I've been, it's sort of policed itself. And yeah. if someone stepped out of line, you'd, you'd have nailed them. I mean, there's some satisfaction, I think, with Diarmo being relegated with Hull because he wanted to go to a top four team and now they're. Definitely not. You'll get four. his chance in the championship next year, the wanker. <laughs> so, from so. A fa- it's funny from a fan's <laughs> point of view. Yeah, a bit of lemon there. <laughs> <laughs> no more drink. Um, yeah, from a fan's point of view, you always get that element. But it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's a business, and if you get a bigger offer from a bigger club, you know you've got. There's part of you that's got to go. Well, it's a business. You've got to accept it's a business. But there's always, from a fan's point of view, it's a, he's not very loyal. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> y- it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because. If someone walked into you at work and went, right, I've got you a, a job where you can treble your money and this perk and that perk and better things to do, you're going to be tempted by it, aren't you? So I think it's just, there is just ways to do it. And like you touched on with the agents, a lot of agents do my head in like this. Why a player will listen to an agent, I'll never know. You've got your own mind. You know what you're doing. Just, just do the things the right way. Yeah. And then fans, are, I think, you know, they'll accept that. You do say that, but if someone came into McDonald's and said to Chris, we're going to offer you three times your salary... <laughs> Make your head chef. He won't. No head way. You lo- you're happy there. If the Chelsea, if the Chelsea podcast rang me up and said, <laughs> I'd go, yeah, European football. Just about to say the lo- when you mentioned the loyalty, I'm, I'm not too sure there is loyalty in football now. Um, you know, on both sides, because if a if a club wants to get rid of a player, then they're gone. Mm. So I think works, it's that definitely works both ways. Yeah, well, I think it works definitely both ways. Works both. And that's why I'm sad, and a lot of uh, a lot of us said that Carlton's officially gone today. He did a, he did a, which Collison did in right way. He did a nice uh, letter, open letter to fans saying he's gone and it's time to, well, I say it's time to move on. He'll be back in a couple of months, won't he? I looked up on Wikipedia um, how many goals he's got and they put him down as West Ham twice. So someone had put it, so, 2000, uh, so literally yeah. j- when he was meant to have left, they've put him down again. I love Carl. What was Carlton like? Oh, it's fantastic, lad. Yeah. Really good, lad. Very good. He, he was a player. I mean, I'm not sure about it. Did he get an England cap in the end? I'm not sure about it. Yeah, he did, he did, yeah. He got seven, didn't he? Yeah, everyone goes, yes, I he mean, did. That's a sad indictment of the English game. I'm being honest. He still plays for England, I think. They don't know it. I didn't play with I mean, he, he had, he's got some good ability. He, he was, you just never knew what he was going to do, so... I know, I, I, he knew what he was going to do. He, he did not have a clue what he was going to do. So <laughs> it, it, sometimes it worked well, sometimes not so good. Um, greatest disappointment next. Yes. Um, Carlton leaving, Stop. probably. Um, greatest, uh, 6% uh, in that third was a style of football. Uh, second play, in second place, defeat at West Brom in the FA Cup, which was a real kick in the balls because we were going to win it, weren't we? Um, and then uh, 61% was a post-Christmas slump in form. Boo. What, what can you account? I mean, that was a, we had a remarkable first half of the season, which Sean didn't see. Um, <laughs> and a, an awful second half of the season. So there's an element of people go, well, Sam, there's no excuses, really, because we, dread- we won three in 21, I think it was. What, what can you kind of... Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I spoke about it last night, and it, it is a difficult one, you know. 
And I think a lot of them games was, was really close. You know, there's a lot of last-minute goals which must have infuriated the, the team and the management and that. So you, you change a couple of them, you hang on to a couple of them, it, all of a sudden you say, you know, players like to get on a bit, a bit of momentum, a bit of a roll, and that breeds the confidence. When you low on the confidence, it's difficult. And I don't think it helps because, I mean, I think you could tell that Sam was going for me. If, if, you, if you're sort of that high up and you're not backing him and you've got a January window and you think, well, if you're backing the manager, you could bring a couple of players in now and, and really kick on and then have a right push by the time you move into the Olympic Stadium. But when they didn't do that, then you sort of, I think, your players are not stupid, managers are not stupid, they know. And it's it sort of, no, one would go out, no player would go out to, to not be bothered about a game. I think they was all behind him. What I spoke about, they all liked him, to be fair, as a manager. Mm. And it was, uh, it's just one of those that sort of, you lost a couple where you shouldn't, or, you know, last minute goes, like I said, and you go down and down, and then, you know, confidence is shot, and the manager's not the man to take you next year. It sort of, you sort of go down a little bit, even if you don't want to. So the, the politics of it all, because there's always quite a lot of politics that we talk about now, probably too much, but like the chairman, we thought probably didn't want Sam any longer from like Christmas. So do you think the players know that, you know, get that vibe and think, uh, maybe it's time for us to move, am I going to be here next season? Does it affect you as a player that much when a manager goes? I don't think it affects the players as much. It affects the management, management staff. And all right, you're, you're not going to say you've lost your focus, etc., and all that, but there's always that nagging feeling at the back of your mind that, you're not wanted, and listen, I know everyone wants to feel wanted, especially footballers, they always they thrive in the environment and managers are the same. If they're wanted and they're, they're being backed by the chairman and the, and the board behind them, it's a big thing for them. And I think you could tell, like you said, Christmas time onwards, you, you, just, you just knew he wasn't going to be there because they would have backed him there and then. And took him, he'd have been the one to lead him to over the road there and, and gone on. But when he didn't, then it's difficult. I was going to ask Ruby about Trevor Brookett. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, what was the difference for you between Rhoda and Trevor Brookin? Trevor Brookin coming in and, of course, one of the greatest records of any West Ham manager. No, I, I, I like uh, Glenn Rhoda. I really got on with him. I know there was um, a lot of people gave him a lot of stick and, and things like that, but I got on really well with him. He was a really good coach. Um, a really good coach? Was that the thing? That was well, the, that's, was the, that's rumor. the thing. He yeah. was a really good coach. Um, he, I don't think he managed the big, the big players really well. And I think that was his, his downfall, really. Mm. Um, but Trevor Brookings, Trevor Brookings, Trevor Brookings, isn't he? Absolute ledge. Um, <laughs> you know, and it was fantastic. What was it, two, three games? Yeah. Brilliant. You what loved him, didn't you? I always remember you saying you, how much you enjoy working with yeah, him. Yeah, I loved it. Lads wanted him to get the job, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, we wanted him to, but he, he weren't having it. I, th I don't think he wanted <laughs> to ruin his reputation that he had at West Ham. Yeah. That's yeah. what he did say. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a hell of a run of uh, typical West Ham optimism towards the end of the season, yeah. mm. where we thought we could do it. But like, having Sir Trevor there was just a remarkable... Considering we were relegated, that was a brilliant, a brilliant time. Mm. We're like, let's have him back. And Rode was a real kind of... It, it, we, we all kind of sensed that he wasn't the manager that we wanted, or that the players wanted, in a way. Mm. So it, and, but a good coach. Well, yeah, as I say, really, really good coach. And, you know, I think... There were certain players that uh, wouldn't listen to what he said and just did their own thing, yeah. which I, I don't think was acceptable. Mm. Let's do the award for most memorable match. Uh, in at number three, with 26%, was West Ham Everton in the FA Cup. Potentially a last ever FA Cup at the bowling ground. Um, I mean, that was a dreadful match. <laughs> Other than the penalties, <laughs> I think we can all agree. Uh, at second was uh, West Ham 2, Man City 1. 
with 34%, and uh, with 36% just in lead, was in the 20th of September. It was West Ham United 3, Liverpool 1. Yeah, it's a good match. That was a brilliant match. Um, those, those times were rosy. <laughs> I can't remember those times. We were buzzing. Rufus, I mean, we were just touched on there, the memorable kind of end to that unsuccessful campaign. Somehow we went down off this great run, but I remember the 1-0 victory over Chelsea... Uh, home. I mean, d w does that stick out as the best of all that run from Joe? I think from when you that's started? the best atmosphere that I think I played in. It was it was electric, and it was funny because the on the Friday, um, Trevor Brooking got us all, all together, and he said, um, "De Canio's coming back. What do you think about me putting him in the team?" And we was like, "Well, you can't put him in the team." And I said, and he said, "Well, you know, we'll." Um, well, lucky, maybe he'll be on the bench. And I instantly said, well, it's made for him to come off the bench and score. <laughs> and that's what he did. Come off the bench and score. You should be managing. Uh, yeah, I should be, shouldn't I? <laughs> and, then, and then he started crying, which, um, which was really funny. But it was, um, it, it was an unbelievable, unbelievable game. Unbelievable. What, what was he like off the pitch? I mean... Who, uh, Di Canio? Yeah, I mean... He's a loon, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, crazy. It was funny because um, we were sat in the changing room and... Um, he had, a, he had a book out. He had a bit like, a bit like you. I think his was a little bit thicker. Just a little bit. A little bit. And, um, he and was, a DVD. He was showing it me, and he had the paragraph where, you know, when he pushed the referee and yeah. Winterburn got in his face, and that was a scared baby. Yeah. He was showing me that, and Winterburn was sat there. And I was like, oh my God. It was so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. I think I'd been there about two weeks at the time, and I was like, oh my God. Outrageous. But yeah, he's, um, he just didn't care, did he, the cameo? <laughs> didn't care. And he was looking at him as he was showing me as well. I was like, it's fucking brilliant. Did, oh. the, did the two of them get on? Did they have a conversation? No, I, do you know what? I don't think, I don't think they did. <laughs> I mean, looking back, I, I can't remember seeing them having a conversation. I honestly can't. But that was brilliant. Uh, my, my cousin was friends with uh, the Ducano family from school because their kids went to the same school together. And they went out to a house in Rome, I think when the Pope died. Um, and he s she said that there was, he had his room with like, a TV and speaker system in, and there was just a roar from this room. And uh, she went into the room, and it's just him sat there with his speaker systems all around him, a huge screen, watching his goals. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it was deafening. It's like Jimmy Walker's DVD. I got uh, a lot DVD. of time for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you'd been in there half an hour earlier, we'd have Jimmy, Jimmy's DVD on. <laughs> Unlucky. But he was unlucky. Imagine, imagine sitting there weeping with joy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what did you make when Decania was crying after the game? What, what, did you think? What? No, he was crying on the pitch. He scored oh, yeah. and he's gone on his knees and everyone's jumping on top of him and he's crying. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's crying and um, yeah, just that's him though, isn't it? He probably <laughs> missed his flight home. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, let's do the all for most improved player. Yeah. Next. So very quickly on Decania. Uh, when you've got a player like that who you think who's disruptive to the team and, you, and he wants to come back in the team what is your, do you, are you like well you shouldn't be in the team you know because you've messed up a lot or do you feel like with someone who's as class as he was are well, you just like you accept it because he's no, got that football genius no I think, I think at the time we were, we were on a bit of a run and um, to, to bring him in I think it would have been disrupt, disruptive because the, the lads had been putting a shift in Okay, it was a little bit too late, but we were putting a shift in. So, to bring him in, I think it, it wouldn't have been fair. And what do you think? There's always talk of him as a West Ham manager. 
What, what, what I really got to comment on that. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. um, no, no, we get that. Yeah, we'll leave, we'll leave that one. <laughs> okay. Most improved player. To tackle that one. Uh, most improved player. In at third was James Collins with 10%. Had a great season. Um, in at second was Adrian with 29%. And uh, first was Stuart Downing with 41%. Yeah, turned it around. Stuart Downing. Yeah. He smattering of applause. Not smattering of <laughs> people on shore, <laughs> eh? Reluctant uh, applause. Um, I, I love to shoot down him because although he's a confidence player, he's, he really works hard. You know, yeah. he might have, you know, towards second half of the season, he didn't play very well. But he's, but he's working hard. Yeah. He's improved yeah. in his work rate. Yeah. <laughs> Do goal of the season right off the bat now. So we get season. Um, in a third was Sacco um, with uh, his goal against Liverpool. Then Andy Carroll's goal against Swansea. And in one with a massive 61%, uh, Enna Valencia versus whole city on the Yeah, what a guy. That's a beauty. Yeah. Um, speaking of absolute screamers, Rufus, crew away. Who can, forge- who can forget away. that? Who can forget that goal? I don't think you saved that, Jimmy. <laughs> I tipped that. I tipped that. Sorry, mate. I don't think you did. You did say before the game there, because I, I was on yeah. the bench. Do you remember? That. Do you yeah, remember? yeah, of course I do. In the room before. If you score, I'll come straight over to you. I went, I'll, I'll sit down and I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to lash one in for about 40 yards. I'm like, I said oh, that the night before, didn't I, in the, change, in the uh, room, in the, <laughs> in the hotel, yeah. yeah. What are your memories of that goal? Um, I watch it every day, to be fair. It's on YouTube. <laughs> it's actually on YouTube. You've seen it? Have a look, kid. Have, have a look, look later. Have a look. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he just came out to me, and I just thought, why not? And I had a go, and... Um, I think a lot of people say it took a deflection, but I put dip on it. So it looks <laughs> as though it got a deflection, but it didn't. But that dip. That dip uh, when, you wa- when you watch that goal back on YouTube, like you say, first man to run and congratulate you is Nigel Rio Coker. Do you mean pals? Yeah, yeah, Nigel's a good lad. Um, yeah, I got on well with him. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's a good lad, Nigel. Can anyone remember him on MTV Cribs? <laughs> It's the worst that. thing I've ever seen. I, I think see the next, I, I sort I of watched it at home. I was sat on my set, just chilling out. And it's come on, just put the cribs on. And I've seen that Nigel open the door with his American accent. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nigel Real Coker. I mean, yours, I couldn't quite reach the call quick enough. <laughs> oh, my God, it's the funniest thing I think yeah, I've ever yeah, seen. I, I, I was in the next morning about seven o'clock, waiting for him to open the door to come in. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> He seems quite a serious man. Was he? Was he like that? He weren't. He weren't the the life and soul of the party. Put it that way. Um, <laughs> you weren't happy, was you? Because when they asked us to do it, they asked me to do it, and I said, "Yeah, no problem." He went, "Who's the funniest man like you was with in your time there?" So to be fair, this man was fantastic. Even though he was fantastic, but so I rang him up. I said, "Listen, mate, they asked me who was the funniest lad. Coca's busy. So what are you doing?" <laughs> I weren't happy. He was not happy. I could see oh, the dreads going over the side wait. of the phone. <laughs> the dreads were all over the place. <laughs> In anger. Rio Coca, essentially, uh, when he cupped his ear after he scored that goal against Man U, wasn't it? That was um, a real low point. In his career, he, I mean, he was, just, he was a strange boy at times, Nice, because he, he, was, he was 17 and 18 when I was there, and he, he had the world at his feet. He was a good player. Like, he, he didn't, wasn't blessed with a load of ability. He just stuck to what he was good at, was breaking the play up, them surging runs box to box. He, he was really good at that, but then he sort of got a bit carried away with himself. I feel the old lads tried to get hold of him, like myself and Teddy, and, mm. and Brev had words, and we just said, listen, just keep your head down. Don't do these interviews. We seem doing more and more interviews and all that. I said, don't start... Doing all that, just focus on your football within a, within a year. So you're captain aside, you're going to be a great player. 
Yeah, he didn't listen. <laughs> there, there, there was a to- uh, I think I remember seeing him on, it wasn't MTV, but it's Guy Sports, and he was doing an interview, and he was having his hair cut. So he was in a barber's, having his hair cut. And um, I don't know why they interviewed him there. But he was, uh, essentially goes, that was when, during Pardew, when it wasn't going very well towards the end of Pardew's reign, and he was going, well, one day people will know what's going on behind the scenes. So it was, he was shifting responsibility for that bad time onto, I suspect, he, Pardew. He would have been, been, if he just kept his head down, listened to the old lads and did what he, did what he was good at, he would have been a good player. Again, I think that, that's probably the, where the agent comes involved. You know, the agent's obviously told him how good he is and filling his head with a load of rubbish, mm. and then he believes it. And then where is he? Is he tor- in Toronto now? Is he playing in Toronto? He's in his crib. Oh, he's been sat- he's in his crib. He's in <laughs> his he's in the barber shop. He's watching your DVD, are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, It says it's a timely moment to do worst player of the year, probably. Uh, I find this a bit hurtful, this one. It's <laughs> well, not me. Um, in a third was uh, Matthew Jarvis at 19%. In a second was Ravel Morrison. That was my vote. Uh, and with 31% was Kevin Nolan's worst oh, player of the year. Boo. I, I don't agree harsh. with that. I, no, I agree. That. Um, oh, I think Kevin Nolan's... A, I'm going to stick up for Kevin here. He hasn't had a great season, but he's a brilliant captain. He's been, one day we'll think he, yeah. he's the best captain we've had, one of the best captains we've had. Can you hear that, Kevin? Appreciation. And he loves it. Everyone we speak to... So I get a little bit... I get, get a bit emotional. <laughs> I need a moment. Uh, everyone we speak to within the club and outside the club just tells you how much it means to him playing football, how much he loves it. And all mm. everyone seems to absolutely love him as mm. a captain and as a bloke. I mean, especially the, the bars around Essex. But <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's he's brought me a few rounds as well, so I'm happy. I like him. But no, it, it, does, make, it does make a difference. You've got a good skipper in there. I go back to my time when, when Curves had came in and, and Lucas Neal was... Unbelievable! He's the best captain I've ever yeah. played for. A lot of people say that. He was fantastic. I mean, he, Curbs are coming and name the team. Obviously, he didn't have any say in that, but he'd name his team, say his few words, and then he'd go out of the room and we'd wait for Lucas's speech. He was yeah. like flipping Braveheart every day. It was fantastic. <laughs> honestly. Yeah, we look. We, 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 I was like, come on! <laughs> but it's funny when you go back for our captains. He's like, I think Nolan's a brilliant captain. I think Lucas Neal was a brilliant captain. You know, there's been some fallow periods. Mm. I mean, Upson, probably Rio Coca. Yeah, I've grown with Upson. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, I mean, what makes a good captain? What what effect does a good captain have on a team? Oh, it's massive. Yeah, I think it's I think it's massive, especially off the pitch sort of thing. You talk about sort of self policing the the changing room, you know, and you you talk about bad eggs and etc. When when Lucas was there and he had some he had some experience as well with his in, with him in there, but the, you know the changing rooms run really well and and it kept everyone tight. And then on the pitch, you know, I, I mean, he was another one. He wasn't blessed with the with the most ability. But he, he gave everything he had and left it all on the pitch and, and dragged others with him. You know, you could see that doing it. And he was a, you know, a role model on the pitch and off it for the, for the young lads and dragged them along with him as well. I think a captain's got to lead by example. I think if you're on the pitch and you see your captain breaking his neck, you know, running after a ball, tackling, I think it, it spurs you on. So mm. I think you've uh, got to lead by example. Mm. We just had in the award for worst player in terms of like the, some of the worst players in West Ham's eyes. Robbie Savage was always thought of as a twat, um, and an eagle-eyed. I think I can't remember who it was. Someone, someone emailed in and said that um, Robbie Savage. The day we went down Birmingham away, Birmingham scored an equaliser, and I think Robbie Savage came up to you and said something. It was on, on West Ham. Neil, on, Neil, Neil Fairchild, and you essentially gave chase to Robbie Savage. <laughs> so it was like uh, a <laughs> <laughs> to Rufus. 
Let me tell you about this man. This was the angriest man on the pitch of all time. I hated him with a passion. When he played at Fulham or West Ham, I played against him. My mate was a right winger called Darren Ray. He's a great lad. And yeah, yeah, yeah. every time in the tunnel, he'd just be giving him digs and everything. <laughs> and then you'd play on a pitch, you'd be kicking him all over. And guaranteed, in the, on the tunnel on the way back, there'd be a fight. And you'd just see the dreads going again. Like, <laughs> and like, I fucking hated him, honestly. Oh, and, then, and then the first day at West Ham, I've come in and Paz has took us into the change room. And I think I got in early, you'd gone in early to yeah, get yeah, pre season yeah. on the way, but earlier. And yeah. he's introduced us and gone, oh, I'd be your roomie, wouldn't he? I'm like, oh, for fuck's So yeah, so we said a couple of weeks ago that you could exclusively reveal ro- what Robbie Savage said. So what was your memory of that incident? I, th- was, I think it was Jeff Horsfield that scored. Um, yeah, I was, I was with him at Fulham as well, Jeff, so cheers for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, he scored and, and I'm on the floor and, and Savage is, is just come up to me and in my face and he's going, you're fucking going down. And I've just got up and like chased him. <laughs> In my head, that's got Benny Hill music attached. <laughs> I know. I know. I was, yeah. I've not seen him since. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, what a scumbag. Yeah. Don't you remember that season? I think that was under Pards when uh, Koncheski rammed. It started. It kicked started our season. It, Koncheski rammed um, Savage into the billboards right at the start. Was it right side match? And that really kick-started our season. After that, everyone was like, come on! <laughs> Just a, like, the togetherness of a crowd when someone like Rob- Robbie Savage gets battered. Like, <laughs> 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 screaming. Um, let's have the award for Young Player of the Year, for which there is pretty much oh, one nomination. We should talk about Repka as well. Yeah, we will do. Okay. We will do. Don't worry. Um, I don't want to miss out on Repka. <laughs> Rufus, have a little think about Repka. <laughs> um, right, Young Player of the Year. In a third was Elliot Lee, 2%, with his one sub-appearance. Did he come on one? Yeah. Uh, Reese Oxford was 4%, and uh, obviously a breakthrough in the first team, uh, and it's good to see Reese Burke, 92%. Reese Burke, well Reece. season. <laughs> Academy. Um, as James rightly mentioned there, Thomas Repka. I think he, he, he was in both <laughs> your spells there. <laughs> I mean, be, he's got a chapter be, in the book as well. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally should just be Thomas Repka. Discuss. <laughs> Over That's to you. Question. <laughs> he's um scary bloke. I mean, I, pl- I played I played against him. He's scary. I played against against him when I was at Fulham, and he actually got sent off um, for literally nothing, and. And I'm looking at him, and he's walking off, and his eyes. I'm thinking, <laughs> this geezer's not normal. <laughs> and then, and then when I si- when I signed for West Ham, nicest bloke in the world, nicest yeah. bloke in the world. Off the pitch, nicest bloke in the world. On it, turns into a raving lunatic. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> My memory of him, I must admit, is because he used to have the Lamborghini. Oh yeah, yeah. The <laughs> and he'd come in, and it was like. Back to the Future, because it, it had come out and he'd had about 40 fags on the way in <laughs> and a smoke had just come out. And he'd get, he'd get out in his training kit like that. <laughs> morning, Jimmy, morning. morning. <laughs> just go and train, get straight back in his car, you just see the smoke building again. Oh, wait, back did to someone the future. not crash that Lamborghini? Was, did someone not crash it? Drove it into a wall? Can I remember that? So, before me, that was that before you? It was it fixed then. Yeah, someone was um, <laughs> cleaning his car. And obviously the gears are, are, are mad on them Lamborghinis. <laughs> Put it in reverse and it went forward into a wall. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, he was so scared to tell him. So scared. <laughs> you, you wouldn't tell want him. to do that. Oh. Cause he, he, got the, he got the two yellows, didn't he, for descent? Yeah, he got yeah. sent off, I remember that. He got yeah. one yellow and then kept going at the ref. 
We got a second yellow. He could he could literally do anything. You you wouldn't have a clue what he was doing. <laughs> Loose cannon was he's under the Bible under him. But then he <laughs> cried, can- didn't he, when he left on his final yeah. match? It was really yeah. emotional. Yeah. Oh, so he was good. that season we got promoted. He was excellent. He was oh, yes. he was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so when we announced that you were coming on this podcast, Rufus, um, a few people got in touch with stories. We had one one guy on the forum, Ryan RC in particular, said, uh, "Yes, Rufus, that'll be great, but I can't come tonight because I've got exams." On the topic of Rufus Brevet. A friend of mine went to Warwick University about four years ago and there were protests there. I guess it was about the rise in tuition fees. They were using the Warwick Facebook page to organise a protest and all of a sudden Rufus Brevet turns up on the page and says something along the lines of all you students need to get a life and get a job. That wasn't me. That was not me. One million percent. One hundred percent that way. Was that no, you? No, no, no. I might have been me doing it your name. <laughs> yeah. That worked really well. No, nothing to do with me. <laughs> nothing to do with me. I mean, but... It, did, I would admit to what that. About the, what, if, if that wasn't necessarily you, the sentiment at all? Do you feel students need to go and get a life and get jobs? No, not at all. Not at all. I think students work really hard. I'm really I disappointed. Just, uh, I just love how you troll in the Warwick Community <laughs> website. What's I love Rufus, that. Is that serious? What's Rufus up to these days? Someone said that. Wow. Someone said that. No. I'm gutted about that. <laughs> Podcast is over. <laughs> Everyone, out. We're off. Everyone out. Thanks a lot, uh, Rufus. <laughs> um, okay, so we, we thought we'd just have a little section around like previous teammates uh, that you've had. Um, just your thoughts on these people. Firstly, Bobby Zamora. Uh, West Ham fans, obviously, big, big love for Vigas and Bobby Zamora. What was he like around the place? He, he, was, he was good, Bobby. I, I, I think... Um, I don't think he's ever been fit, though, Bobby, is he? Um, no. He was always injured at West Ham. He was injured at if he'd had a full run, full season, yeah, I, I mean, he, he, was, he was a great player. Yeah, yeah. But he was a great lad as well, wasn't he? He was bubbly, he was always lively. Yeah. Top, top boy. Yeah. And in terms of the Essex nightclub scene, one man I saw, uh, Anton Ferdinand, in particular, seemed to enjoy it. Um, was, is that the case? <laughs> I never went out, so you... No, me neither. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> no, was, again, th- this is a mixture we had when I first got there was was fantastic. You had some experienced boys, you had the young boys, you had Bobby in the middle and you had Brevin that and but, but Anton was a fantastic lad. Love him to bits. He was great. You know, if you kept him we kept, sort of it was great centre off when I was playing because I could keep him in check and that I sort of remember he scored last game of the season we needed to win it at Watford to get into the playoffs and he scored down the bottom end after about twenty minutes and he's done a mad run all the way past me to the fact I think I give him a cup on the head of him, right? <laughs> Forget that. You start heading the ball, do your job. It was a bonus. But he was a great lad and he was a good player at the time. I thought he'd, he'd gone and probably do a little bit better than he has. I mean, he's done okay, but... How about um, Marlon Harewood? <laughs> Marlon, I mean, again, he was a great lad, real good lad. The best thing Marlon had, and I would, if I was a manager, I would have brought him on with five minutes to go every game if he was winning and just give him the ball and stand in the corner flag. Because literally no one could. He was, was the strongest beast. man ever. He just couldn't get round. It was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, was give it Marlon. Give it Marlon. Kill the game. Yeah, his neck and head kind of blended into one, didn't yeah. it? Just one big Please. ball of muscle. Um, did he get much stick for missing the sitter in the FA Cup final when it was he was coming down with cramp, I think, at the time, and he had that chance? Did was there much talk of that? No, nah, it would have been a bit harsh that yeah. one, wasn't it? But listen, there's always there's always things you'd talk about in games and discussing games after after the event, but. You know, no one means to miss. He'd have loved to have scored. You'd never heard the last of that either. Did you so he would have loved that. Did you hammer him behind his back? Though? Of course I did. Okay. 
I think at, at the party of the night, I might have him anyway, if I'm being honest. Um, shall we have the Hackett of the Year Award? Hackett of the Year. Um, in at, Should we uh, explain what the Hackett Award is? Do you want to explain what the Hackett Yes, is? the Hackett of the Year is Keith Hackett, a very popular character amongst West Ham fans. <laughs> uh, a referee who sent off Tony Gale uh, when we lost to Nottingham Forest in the semi-final a few years back. A few years back. Uh, so every year we have a Hackett of the Year. So this is usually the most... Uh, this is everyone's favourite. But in at third was Kevin Kilbane for reporting West Ham for some allegedly inappropriate chance against Harry Kane. Um, in at two was referee John Moss, who gave Spurs a 93rd minute penalty. Uh, that's 24%. In fact, that should never have been allowed, that goal. Fact. Uh, and in at one was uh, an actual serious one, is the thieves who stole Kenny Brown's medals. Yeah. And they're here tonight to accept... <laughs> I'll edit that bit out. <laughs> you can't, that's your best joke. You've got to keep it. Been sitting on that for weeks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jimmy, uh, you've, in the past you've described your programme column as like a licence to take the mick out of other players in the squad. Um, for me, I remember there was a column about Mascherano when he started it and he got lost on the way to training and like essentially lost in Shadwell Heath, this famous Argentinian player who's gone on to win the Champions League, <laughs> lost around there. Um, any columns that in particular that stand out for you? This is like you say, it was, that was a licence. I mean, I think I was injured at the time. So it was a long year and I, it, it did keep me going a little bit, I must admit. But in the end, it was hard to get any info because as soon as I walked in a room, the lads would be going, shh. <laughs> Everyone was wearing like normal jeans and normal T-shirt. <laughs> When Johnny Pansel signed, it was a godsend. I had about six months. <laughs> and he kept coming in these African garments. And I was like, oh, thanks, John. <laughs> the only person who really took the hunt with it was, was Kieran Dyer on one. <laughs> and it was quite friendly banter. I just called him a Bugsy Malone suit he had on. He just, and that was it. He, he, he'd never forgive me. Still not forgive me now. <laughs> well, how was Kieran Dyer? Could have said a lot worse as well. <laughs> was, he, uh, was he a nice bloke, Kieran Dyer? Yeah, was, he was a nice fella. I didn't. I think that was sort of the time I was. I was sort of leaving the club. I know that was my last year sort of thing, and so, so I didn't really have a loads to do with Kieran. But he was. Well, he was nobody's fun. is. No, <laughs> I tried not to anyway. <laughs> You'd love Alex's song. Have you seen the outfits he wears? Yeah, I must admit, I went in. Um, I went in and watched the goalies train a couple of times this year. My goalie coach invited us down, and I had a little look. Like, nice to see. It was great to go back there and that. But he did walk in in some suit I've never seen and I see the thing on Twitter the other day proper three piece and that when he going in and just on the morning he looked fantastic to be fair <laughs> but when I was in there he was the same and he had some I can't even describe what it was like it was some proper gorms <laughs> and for training <laughs> for, for training mate decent, every, and the lads went he comes in something like this every day decent <laughs> he's definitely got someone after hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and do you still speak to I mean you go back to West Ham to train and watch training every now and again do you still have a good relationship with the club and go back yeah, fantastic. I mean, that, that was the best thing about the club for me was my first few years, it was, you know, it was, I mean, I was at Walsall, which was a family club, but little. And then I come to West Ham, I'm thinking, you know, it's going to be big, you know, in a big, big wide world in the smoke and that. And, but it was such a friendly club for the size of it. It was fantastic. And everyone from the sort of the lads who parked the cars, etc., and the, the stewards and everyone around the ground was, was fantastic. And it just made you want to play and play even better, I think, really. And and give everything you can, you know, with the fans being fantastic, and that it, it just, it was a great atmosphere around the club at the time, and I, sort of towards the end of my, like the fourth and fifth year, it's, it was going the wrong way a little bit, the Italians had come in and that, and it was, it was losing that a little bit, but 
So when I went back in, I'd not, I didn't go back for a little while. And then when I went back in, it sort of regained. You know, there was a few old faces in there. The Pete, the kit man was there. And surely the, 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 who helps the chef and keeps putting the rogue hairs in. <laughs> oh, Are you God. sure rogue hairs? Uh, I, I went on the top as well. I don't, I don't think it was from up the top either. <laughs> and Rufus, what was it like? When you first signed for West Ham, what is it like actually, you know, being a West Ham player? Yeah. Like is that, is, I know because you're not a fan growing up, but when you first experience the West Ham going into that ground and playing in front of that crowd, what is it like? It, it's unbelievable. As I say, I played there the season I signed, I played there with uh, Fulham, and um, it's 30, 33, 35,000 people there. And it's uh, it just, I mean, thinking about it now, the, the airs on the back of your neck stick up because the fans are, are fantastic. It's a fantastic stadium. And. Um, you know, I can just go back to obviously playing at Fulham and QPR and then West Ham is just, it's a proper football club, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. proper, and what? proper football club. <laughs> no, it is. I was only yeah. there, I think I was only there two and a half years. Um, you know, and, you know, the season we, we got relegated. Um, I mean, the, te- the team that I played in was, was really good, fantastic. And, and I say the stadium is brilliant. And I'm sure, you know, the, the fans that have bought up at that stadium would be sad to, to be moving here. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about that more in a sec. What, um, as, an, as an away player, what's it like playing at, at West Ham? It, it can be very intimidating, to be fair, you know, um, because, uh, you know, it's, it's very loud and, and, as I say, it's very intimidating, but it's a, it's a great place to play, whether you're home or away. It's a fantastic stadium to play football. I think the fans know the football as well, don't they? You know, there's no... You can't hide. You can't. You can't. You can't kid them on. You know, if if you're giving your best, you know, they're they're with you, sort of thing. And right. likewise, I've I played there with other teams, and you know, if you've done well, sort of thing, then you know they're they're good to you as well. For, uh, if you're an away player, yeah. So, I should say actually, one of my first memories of you, Rufus, was uh, at Upton Park and a tangle with last year's podcast guest Martin Allen, in which oh, I think he got sent off, didn't he? Didn't you both? Did you both no, get no, sent he off? Got sent he off, got sent I off, didn't. and you didn't. Yeah. He got sent. <laughs> you got someone or, sent off. Got, nah, no. He always reminds me of it as well, but yeah, he, he got sent off. I think he booted me off the ball. <laughs> it's not like him, is it? <laughs> yeah, he got sent off. Um, cool. We're going to have four questions now from the audience on the record. We'll have a no, We'll do more questions afterwards off the record. Does anyone have a question for Rufus or Jimmy on the record? Here we go. I don't like to talk about that. Carry on. <laughs> World is safe. <laughs> I should repeat the question for listeners of the podcast. So, yeah, the question is, uh, Frank Lampard saving his penalty at Stamford Bridge, that night, memories of that? I think I think I got in his head, to be fair, because I told him he was going to miss it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. That was you then. Psychology. Did you say that? Were you I one of those guys yeah, that yeah. got in the ear before? I told him he was going to miss it, yeah. That, and joking aside, that was, that was part of it, definitely. It was, you know, it was... I mean, it was my, that was my away debut, that one. So it was my second game for West Ham, and then... Sort of 8,000 behind your goal and these two pound coins raining down. And I, I knew I'd arrive, like, because it used to be like five P's and things. <laughs> I got the two pounds, I was like, I did say last night, the lads, two pound coins, they might help save it a little bit because I stick them down the shitty, I think it there. But I'm thinking, you know, he's had four or five minutes here. I think Kesman's got a bit of cut down here, he's gone off. You've got Brev right behind him going, You're missing this, you're missing this, Frank. Oh, you've had one here, you're missing this. So it was all adding up to it. I'm thinking, Listen, I'm just, he ain't placing this. He's just going to smash it. And so it was one of them. I'm thinking, I look behind and then 
I think if I don't save it, then it's going to go mentally. The, the shed end could be finished. So <laughs> it was, and I thought, just stand up as long as you can and then just and try and read it. And, and if he puts it close enough, block it. And fortunately, hit a few pound coins and, and went out. And it was, a, I mean, there's a fantastic story. And I said last night, as I've got to say, it's my best story. <laughs> so I've got, obviously, saved a penalty and, and a decent game, etc. But Martin Tyler was commentating for ITV that night, sent me a DVD. And he's... Uh, He's going to put a little note in himself. I thought you might enjoy this, like well played, etc. P.S. Have a look at Andy Durso from our view after the penalty save. So I said, okay, so I'm watching and all that. <laughs> so I saved the penalty, obviously, it's gone away. And what no one sees, but apart from this view he had, was the linesman with his flag up to say I'd moved off the line, sort of thing. And you could just see Andy Durso going, fuck that. <laughs> play on, play on. Brilliant. I've only been able to say that lately when he's retired. <laughs> well, that's unbelievable. I love it. <laughs> Andy Durso, next hammer of the year. Hammer of the year. <laughs> Most improved referee. Can we go back and redo the awards for that year? That's unbelievable. <laughs> the absolute opposite, the polar opposite of the Hackett. <laughs> yeah, the Andy yeah. Durso yeah, award. Hero of the year. Unbelievable. Have we got another <laughs> another question for Jimmy or, or Rufus? <laughs> I love that. We'll be doing more. Here we go. Josh, you both played for Jimmy at Burnley. What's the difference between people like you and Rio Coca, Anton? You just can't, you just have so much talent, you just can't make it. Why, why did you switch? I probably should have finished at 25, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> Um, I should probably just repeat the question for our listeners at home. But uh, the question is that you guys played in the 30s. Yeah, why is right, right Rio Coca and yeah. these kind of players that haven't made um, it? I think you've, you've just got to have a love for the game, haven't you? And, um, and want to go out and play football because it doesn't go on forever. So you've just got to try and play as long as you can. I mean, I've seen a lot, I've seen a lot of players over the years with so much ability, more ability than any players we've played at the top, you know. And listen, to play at the very top, you've got to have the ability as well, but a lot of it is very, is very mental, yeah, definitely, you know. Even growing up and, and sort of along the through, the, through the years, like you say, some of the players who have not been the best players have gone on to have the best careers by a long way, so it is how you apply yourself, definitely. I mean, I always go back to, to Robert Green. I spoke about him the other day, and he, he to any sort of, Kid looking at I me. Mean, I'm not a big fan of having football. I'd never say to me, boys, have a football as a role model ever. But on the pitch, Green, Rob Green was, he was unbelievable. In the training, he, he was the, he epitomised like making the best of yourself. Do you know what I mean? He had some ability, don't get me wrong, he was, he was natural ability anyway, but the amount of work he put in was amazing. And, and everything he got the England call up and playing at the top level for the last 15 years after that was, was down to that, definitely. Because he, he was, he didn't have any more ability than some people I played with in in Div 1 and champion that. Excellent. Here we go. Yeah. Decent Paolo stories. We've already had the crying. Just just the one with the book when um, <laughs> Winterburn, when Winterburn was, was sat there and that's... You know, that's that's the best one. What that's about what about training? The rumour is that he was like the best trainer, and like oh, it was over really? the. Who's told you that? I am, is that no. in the book? No. Was he a terrible trainer? Yeah, he weren't. He weren't. I wouldn't say he was the best trainer. Um, and it's funny because when he was 
manager at Sunderland. I think he used to have a go at his players for, for not training hard and this, that and the no other. No tomato sauce. Yeah. He, he didn't train hard at all. He, he had ability and he trained, but yeah. I wouldn't say he was was up there one of the best trainers by no way. Did Decanio ever go out, Did you when you went out as a group, did he come out like the Christmas party and stuff? I've never been out with Paolo Decanio. <laughs> never. Never been out, have you? No. Oh, I don't go out. I don't go out. No, no but I, no, he just used to train and then go off and do his, do his thing. Go home and watch his goals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, strange man. Okay, well, we'll do some more, we'll do some more questions afterwards. Just do one more question. Oh, the G-man. Yeah, the G-man. Well, we it, should, it was sorry, one of them. It was we should just say for benefit for people at home, uh, where can you buy Jimmy Walker's DVD? <laughs> <laughs> In all good uh, bookstores. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, go. Yeah. No, you go on. I forgot the oh, question. <laughs> it was so long. I yeah, forgot we, it. we went down 2003. What was the dressing room like uh, around that time? Um, I mean, it was one. Of, it was funny because it was one of them seasons where we kept winning and Bolton kept winning and. There was there was a there was a, a Saturday. We, we were playing on the Sunday. I think Bolton were playing Arsenal on the Saturday. Yeah, early we, we were flying up. Yeah, we were flying up to Middlesbrough, and before we got on the plane, Arsenal were winning two 0 I think. So we're thinking decent. Get off the plane and Bolton win three <laughs> two. Unbelievable. And that just like knocked the stuffing out of us. But yeah, I mean it was just as bizarre strange season to go down on on that that amount of points and as i say we kept winning and we went on a fantastic run and bolton just kept winning as well so we, we were top six i think the second half of the season with the bolton yeah team, yeah just it was it was unbelievable yeah. and and kevin nolan was in that team as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boo! Um, okay let's do the award for podcast guest of the year and here to present the award for Podcast Guest of the Year, give it up for Gnome. Here he is. Oh. Cheers. Thanks, everybody. Um, we did send up these votes to be audited. Oh. A natural Gnome. <laughs> we, we, we did send these votes off to be audited by FIFA, but they all came back with Sepp Blatter's name on, so um, we went back to Plan A. And um, so... Hello, can you hear me, Mother? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> right, um, podcast guests of the year. And fair play to the guys. They've had some excellent guests on. Um, much, much improved from the first one. As including including yeah. you. <laughs> um, in third place with 13% was Ian Bishop. Uh, in, in second place on 14% was Frank McAvenny. Uh, but... Winning with his second award of the night, uh, with 20%, Jack Collison. Jack Collison. <laughs> Jack Collison, That's podcast right. guest of the year. What I love, and I can't stress enough how awesome he is as a bloke. He's unbelievable, really, really lovely guy. Um, Jimmy, you were on the shortlist for this award, as you'd appeared earlier this season. Uh, how gutted are you to have lost out? Is this some joke about the shortlist or something? You're going to hit me with something, so I'm no comment. <laughs> uh, 
And Rufus, you'll be eligible for this award next year, so fingers crossed, you know. Yeah, I won't know my breath. <laughs> um, okay, it's time for the big one now. The KUMB.com Player of the Year, and here to present the award, the G-Unit himself, Graham Howlett, the boss. Darth Vader. Mrs. Doubtfire. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, before I start uh, and uh, tell you who's won this award tonight, um, I've got a few thank, you, thank yous I want to run through very quickly. So if you just bear with me for a few moments, I'd like to thank uh, Noam, my right-hand man on the website for covering the press conferences in my absence, which is quite often, uh, match reporting, and etc. Uh, the forum moderating team, Chalks, Rio, who's over here tonight, uh, Romford, Sicknote, Bristol Hammer, Bonehead, and all the other guys for the 15 years of assistance they've put in to keep things orderly on the forum, and uh, I'd like to thank all the contributors uh, for their articles, Matt's over there somewhere, um, this season, uh, including our former Fleet Street Newshound, Paul Walker, who has asked me to personally thank you all for your constructive comments this year and let you know that it's an honour and a privilege to write for great fellow fans, so there's one for you. Um, I'd like to thank these guys here, James and Chris, uh, for the podcast all year. What a fantastic job they've done. And also to Radioville for uh, lending us the use of their facilities throughout the, throughout the year. Uh, I'd like to thank my wife Claire for the daily homepage news updates and also a certain Cockney Hammer uh, for the daily forum uh, news updates as well. Um, on top of that, I'd like to thank our tech team at NatNet in the US for their excellent service in keeping KUMB online uh, when you guys flood it uh, after, a, after a, a, a defeat or something like that. <laughs> which is the only time it gets very, very busy. Uh, I'd like to thank Cosmo Vinyl uh, for providing the artwork for this Amazing. season's podcast. Amazing. Top guy. Top guy's Cosmo. Uh, from West Ham United's media team, I'd like to thank Rob, Laura and Paul for all their help and assistance. And finally, I would just like to thank all of you, really, all the loyal KUMB.com readers who have kept with us for the last 15 to 18 years and hopefully you'll stay with us for the near future. So give yourself a round of applause. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm going to need this. The eyes aren't what they used to be. Okay, so this is the, the big one, the, the KUMB Player of the Year as voted for by you, the readers of KUMB.com. And that's the podcast guest of the year, so we won't be needing that one. <laughs> Whose idea was it to put all these in the same envelopes? Oh, mine, right. Here we go, we have the right one. So the KUMB Player of the Year for 2014-2015 in third place with 11% of the vote is Czech Kuyati. <laughs> Great first season uh, for Czech there in the midfield and also at centre uh, center of defence. Uh, second place this year, another fantastic season this guy's had. Um, he was brilliant against Everton, scoring the winning penalty, saving the one before it. And uh, that goes to Adrian San Miguel del Castillo. Yeah. Uh, so by now, I'm sure you can all guess who the winner of this year's KUMB uh, Player of the Year 2014-15 is with 42% of the vote. Uh, he's also this year's Hammer of the Year. Our congratulations go to Aaron Cresswell. Woo! Aaron Cresswell, Player of the Year. The G-Man. A big thank. Uh, also, which is a big thanks to the G-Man for uh, for starting up KMB.com and also yeah. just dealing with you idiots. 
I'm, I'm not thanking you for anything. It's really so hurtful. Just leave that there. Um, gents, over our shoulders is a magnificent stadium that West Ham United are going to go in a few years. Um, do you think you're going to go visit? Are you going to go to the back to the bowling before we move out? I'm hoping someone comes in, manager, I know, so I can get the goalie coach role. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping I'm, I'll follow in at the goalie in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kit man or something. I'll go anyway. I'll Cheers. <laughs> so what candidate are you backing? Is there, anyone, is there any contenders that could see you return? Unfortunately, I don't know Loudrop or my, uh, Jürgen Klopp. <laughs> Never worked with them. I think they've seen your DVD, though. <laughs> That's in there. That's in there. <laughs> We need to print more copies of this DVD. Uh, Along the way out, there'll be a little stall that Jimmy's set up with <laughs> copies of his DVD. Five or a They should have gone in the loft, shouldn't they? Got it. So, yeah, predictions for West Ham. Who do you think will end up in charge? Um, I, I mentioned that I'd like to see Loudrop. I don't know why. He just mm. feels a nice fit for me. I don't know if yeah. anyone is he agrees. <laughs> Michael Inns. Everybody has it behind the balls. I don't know. He feels like a nice fit. You know, he plays a good brand of football, I think. And he, he sort of knows his... Well, obviously knows his football. He's a great player as well. Takes the manager. I think he might be the man to take forward. Yeah. I think there's going to be a few, isn't there? I mean, Klopp, as he said. Yeah. Uh, Laudrup. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think you've got, you've got to be aiming, aiming for the sort of them top type of managers. Yeah. You know, there's no point getting rid of Sam and bringing in someone and saying you've got to go, you know, high and give them the backing and take into the stadium on a high, you know, and then who knows from there with you know sixty thousand in that magnificent stadium over there. So because there's only one way it should go from yeah. now. G yeah. man, who's who? Who won the poll for best manager? Is it still going? Uh, Bielsa's winning. Bielsa's winning. Bielsa. Klopp second. <laughs> Listen to us. Roda third. No, no, Klopp second. What? Roda third, Di Canio. Di Canio, Roda team up. <laughs> Bring back the good days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, okay. Jimmy Walker, thank you very much for joining us. Very welcome. Thank Give you. up for Jimmy Walker. Also, big round of applause for Rufus Brevet. Big round of applause for Andy De Urso. Who and knew? Who knew? Woo! <laughs> James Longman. Pleasure. And from and myself. Gold. Yeah. And most of all, thank you so much for listening. This is why it's all worth it and we love doing it. It's great to have insight. It's great to have nights like this. And nights like this fund the podcast the next year. Yeah. We've got Russell Brand coming on in a few weeks, hopefully. Yeah. And we're going to have, you know, oh, potentially bigger guests than that. Bigger guests. So, we should you know, have a big guest fingers crossed. Soon. But for this season in particular, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for being here tonight. And we'll see you after the summer in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, European tour. <laughs> I see you live from Good Kazakhstan. Good night from the cow. Good night from the cow.